And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week we have Mr. Jeff Finn. If anybody uh, wants to know who Jeff is, he was a part of a band named Dink back in the 90s. They were, they were pretty big in the 90s. You guys are actually still relevant through the 2000s because you guys were releasing some stuff through there that you actually kind of recorded maybe back in the 90s also. But really, when you guys were in your heyday and you were really doing it, it was the 90s. Yeah. It was kind of that... that um, Sort of mid-90s. Yeah, right. And it was kind of like that whole rave scene that was going on. You guys were a part of that. You guys were a part of the whole industrial rock, the whole... Um, I, I've heard it called like alternative industrial hard rock because it's a lot of fusion, a lot of different things that are going on. But it's definitely not like that traditional band where you just have your drummer, bass player, guitar player, singer. No. You guys had to like, there's like sampling, a lot of sampling that goes on in there. There's some rapping that went on in that, in that kind of, you know, stuff. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of different things you guys were throwing out there. But for, for the most part, it, the whole music was really made for dancing all night long, that kind of thing. It was a, it was a whole... It was just a whole scene, a whole vibe that was all included. Would that, would that be pretty accurate? Well, we liked to. We were hard enough for the guys and dancey enough for the girls. It was like that's the way I like to think of it. I mean, it was a healthy mix of a whole bunch of different genres of music, but it had a groove to it. So did you guys have to like, was it, was it one of those situations where each guy in the band had his own thing and that that's how it fused or... Were you guys, did you guys have to like really plan some of this stuff out and stuff? Because there's a lot going on in these songs. This isn't, this isn't typical stuff. There's so much going on. It would seem like there has to be a lot of like planning. Yeah. Well, we're tied to a track for one thing, you know, so like it's like, you know, push play, don't make any mistakes kind of deal. Um, so with that in the background, you know, everybody brought their own influence to the scene, you know. Eddie, so is that what it was? You guys had a track to start it with? Yeah. They, that- the, the guys, um, early on, Jer and Rob and Sean would get together in this little basement of his farmhouse, and um, he had put together these sparse tracks with like a you know sparse keyboard bass line and drum machines and stuff like that and like he started creating these what the the bare bones of what would become dink i guess and uh once he got a little i don't know a little bit of feedback from that stuff he wanted to do it live so that's where uh, Eddie and I came in. So, so he was, was he making like, so the creating tracks? Is that what you're saying though? Like was, so yes. it was like electronic drum beats and stuff like that. Yes. Loops. They were already start. That was back when the loops were kind of starting off basically. Right. I mean, so, yeah. so that's what he was doing, basically creating that. And then you guys would just pile on. Yeah. Eventually, like when he decided he wanted to go live with it, um, he hired Ed and I and, uh, that's when we started uh, first practicing the stuff to see if it would work. And uh, that was an experience in itself because we had this uh, warehouse in Akron that was also like a novelty company, like with fake tombstones and like Halloween stuff. Oh, cool, yeah. And, stuff. and then some uh, guy's car collection was in there too. But... uh we practiced in there, and that 
we practiced, okay, this was the way we started this. We knew we were going to play with strobe lights, so we wanted to get used to it. So we practiced in full darkness with just strobe lights. And, and this was early on you did this? Yeah, this is the beginning. And uh, we practiced usually um, about 20 hours a week, you know, five hours a, a night, four nights a week. Wow. And uh, just to get used to all this crazy lights and stuff. What made, you, what made you decide that, though? How did you guys decide what you were going to do already, like, ahead of time? What was, how, how did... Sean sort of had a... A vision type a thing? vision of what he wanted to do, you know? It's like, um, he wanted to be different, and uh, I think we achieved that a little bit. <laughs> now, know? when you say Sean, I, you know, I'm going to go through real quick the guys in the band so we, so we can acknowledge who each guy was that okay. was in the band. I think I, got it. I think I got it right here. Okay. So Sean is Sean Carlin. Yes. And he was lead vocals. He was no, a he was he was the programmer and uh, guitar player. So he didn't do vocals? Uh, he did on a couple tracks, but oh. he wasn't. But, but his main thing, main thing was programmer, and then he was a guitar player also. Right. He had two. He had, he had many guitar players. Y'all played guitar kind of sort of, except for the drummer, right? And 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 you played bass, right? But did you? Okay, we get to that. We also had uh, Rob Lightbody. Yep. He was the lead vocalist. Yes. And he also played guitar. Yes. And you had Jer Herring. Yes. And he was another guitar player, and he also did backup vocals. He was also a lead vocalist. Oh, he did leads they, too. They, they traded leads oh, on oh, different oh. songs. And when Jer was singing, Rob was playing guitar and vice versa. Oh. And why would they change? Like, what would be the, was it just say different styles and one style fit better for that part of the song? Is that how they would do it? Or did one guy write that part? And so well, he, he's, they had two distinctly different approaches. Uh, Jer was more, um, I don't want to say rap oriented, but like just uh, groovy, very, almost like kind of like very rhymy and and groovy. And uh, Rob was more uh, on the harder edge with the screaming and oh, okay, like stuff like that, you know. So, so they had they had distinctive styles that kind of led to where they would fit in, right? I got you. So you also had uh, Jeff Finn, which we were, we were sitting here talking to you now. <laughs> played bass. You didn't do any vocals. Um, a couple backups, but not usually. Just like know. maybe some gangs and stuff like that when they were required. Yeah. And this, I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna butcher this. Jean Eddie Van Derkel. Jean Eddie Van Derkel. He's a. He lives right up here in Lakewood. Really? Yeah. And he played drums for you guys. Yeah. Now, now, how did yeah. now how does that work? Did you guys also have a drum track playing, and then he would also play drums, and everything would kind of like? Yes, we always had track, but it, like we even had a, a, a sparse. Everything was sparse though. The 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 drums and the keyboard bass line were just very like almost like a kind of thing. I got you, like a droning yeah, type. Know? Yeah, and we would come and you know just do our live thing over top of it, you know, and try to have a healthy balance of the mix and all that. Cool, cool, cool. So you guys, 1992. That's about the time you guys got together, and this whole thing kind of started back at that point. And then, how long yeah, did, did it take for you guys to kind of like form this thing before it really started to like blossom? Well, I think. As far as I can remember, the record came out in 95, I believe. Yeah, I believe you're right. And, uh, you know, we'd been doing a lot before that as well. Um, 
but that's when we really kicked it in with the touring and all that stuff. Like we, we had already been to, uh, Rotterdam, Holland and played a gigantic festival it was like, uh, I don't know, 80,000 people. Really? Yeah. What was that like, man? That was mind blowing. That was the <laughs> biggest crowd I've ever been in front of. But well, yeah, I would think. I mean, most anybody. The funny thing is, though, is like the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to play. Really? Because you don't have that personal. It, there's no, nothing really. It's just a big mass that moves. It, it like nothing. You, you might see some faces in the first or second row or third row, maybe. But after that, it's just like this, just big sea of motion, you know. I mean, but so, does the adrenaline like it, it just to be in front of that? You got to have like massive amounts of adrenaline oh, going yeah. through you. Like it's oh, got to yeah. be a, <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. And and the fact that you're so far removed from home too at this point, oh, that's all. That's got to uh, play a part in this whole thing, also, right? Well, see, with this festival, we had a a trailer. Everybody had trailers. These beautiful yellow little like they almost looked like stagecoaches but they were they were trailers and we went into our trailer and there's like you know uh the biggest bottle of jägermeister i've ever seen and like you know (laughs) a fridge full of guinness and and it was probably the real jäger right that wasn't the americanized jäger that had the that had the uh opium in it right didn't they have opium i don't know it's just (laughs) like they did the big bottle you know it's like not not like the rectangular bottles we have here. It was sort of round, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, so you guys, they they provided each band with their own trailer. And how many bands do you think are on this on this bill? Like a lot of bands. Is there like uh, yeah, like it, more than twenty? I, I would say at least twenty. And how did you get invited to this? Did you guys did you guys get yourselves on this bill, or did they ask you to come I, on? Do you remember? Somehow, uh, I believe one of Jan Eddie's friends set it up. Oh no, kidding! Because this is before we were really, you know, I, I think it's before we were signed. Even, you know, we just did this on our own. We have a, a friend, um, Steve Gang, who is uh, he's you know he was with us for a long time. And we had a studio up there at his place and stuff. And he had some money, so he uh, offered to pay for the plane ride over there and footed the whole bill for the whole festival. No kidding. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. So when you guys find out that you're going to go do this, what's that like? Like, what, what, like, how does that happen? Where, where, like, oh, it freaked me out. Yeah, man. <laughs> because you guys haven't even really done anything yet. Really? I mean, you've done it, but you haven't, like, well, made any kind of a splash yet, right? right? You right. know, like, how does this we, happen? Well, it's like we, we had played one gig. We had played one gig at our friend's little do it yourself venue. It was called The Manus. And now it's uh, a bar, Bar Lucci. It's going to be a venue again. Um, but we had played one gig there, and it was an invite-only gig. We had practiced our asses off for, like, I don't know, like a year straight and not played any shows, not caved to any of the people that wanted us to play. Um, we just kept plugging away at it. We finally played this one show. It was private. And it was just insane, like packed, completely overpacked. Like, like, like just people, the, like the, yeah. well, the whole place just kind of moves back and forth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah gotta, I've seen those. Got to be careful not to step on a bottle or something, you know. Yeah, right. 
but uh after that word just like spread and uh actually a guy from uh Capitol Records was there to check us out somehow he had heard about it and uh at the end he was like you know I, I don't quite get what you guys are doing but uh it seems like it's good yeah obviously there's <laughs> yeah. enough people here to tell me that i'm i might not know what i'm talking about <laughs> so so in capital you get signed with capital records yeah that's another pretty amazing point right i mean like these are all little points of quickly happening a lot in a, in a short amount of time it's not like over a 10 year span this is a couple years all this is yeah, happening yeah over, it was know? like it was like we did that show at the Manus, and then word spread, and and uh, record companies started sniffing around, and uh, we we're trying to, you know, see what we wanted to do deal wise, and then we got we did that Holland thing, and word spread about that, and well, that kind of legitimized that that gives you like le legitimacy where. You know, it's one thing to be a great band and sound good and all that stuff, but when you can say, or when people can say, yeah, and they played in front of 80,000 people in Holland, it, now the perspective of you has changed in, in people's minds. They're like, oh, maybe I should check yeah. them out. They're legitimate, right? Yeah. Isn't that how it kind of I happens? Guess, I mean. It does. <laughs> it, it, I think it does. I think that's why, you know, like when we do this show, one thing about this show is that we do all these local guys, and we find out that some of these local musicians are just phenomenal, amazing. Oh, yeah. and, and and then you see the people who have made it nationally, and you wonder how did they make it nationally, and how does this person not? And I think it, it's all about timing and breaks, and, and, sure. and, be, and, and something um, like that happens for you, and it changes the perspective of your band you know what i mean now you're legitimate now you're up there playing in front of eighty thousand people it just changes the way people look at you i think you know what i mean yeah. and then they hear about yeah. you and then other people want to know more and you get the blah, blah blah it just it just grows from there right well, and quickly it's like and i mean after that it was just like this is exactly what i want to do like constantly <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like screw this like 80 people <laughs> Yeah, right. Thanks, Bobby. You know? <laughs> you're ready for the. You're thanks ready for, for eighty thousand a thanks gig. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, so then, you guys did more stuff though. That you know, like, didn't you guys do other stuff too, like more festivals and stuff like that? Because oh, like, yeah, yeah. Because what happens is, is like you guys are in the middle of like a. a, a this was a, a moment in where this music was big you know there's always like these little windows of time throughout the history of music and this was it man you got and you guys were like right in the prime of everything this well it's it seems to me it's like when i think about those years it's like that was the golden era because that was when like it didn't matter really what your band sounded like everybody got a break they were signing bands like mad and so many good ones and then all of a sudden the record companies were like okay well we need a band that sounds like this a band that sounds like that a band that sounds like that and that's when it started getting weird but but in the you know the early to mid 90s my god there were just so many great bands and they were all being played like on the end in cleveland and yeah, stuff right. and you know and you know we got to play with a lot of those guys like you know so so this was uh, in the beginning this was like sean's vision right that's what you're saying basically and then it kind of grew out of that we totally we totally intended on we we wanted to make it 
we we really so you had you almost like a formulated type plan it's like this is the plan to to get where we want to go so the record company signs you guys do they now start to try to infiltrate into what you guys are doing and try to say hey try a little bit more of this or are they are they now trying to influence what you guys are doing more because now they've invested money in you and they want to say so a little bit more is that happening now sometimes like when the first record came out they just you know they just backed us totally with touring you know because they wanted us to support the record and all that and uh you know, but when it when it came time for the second record, then they were a little more, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say judgmental, but they had a little more input on what they were expecting. And, uh, yeah, we sort of weren't ready to play ball with that yet. Yeah. So so the first <laughs> album you guys put out was your self-titled one. It was Dink, right? So that, that it's Dink, Dink, basically is what it was. It's right. the first one. And you guys... That was enough to basically tour on that one album, right? Right. Did you guys just play the whole album when you played out? And more. What's the and more? Was that like new stuff that you guys were in the middle of making, or did you no, guys? No, no, just the st- we had a whole. We had like I don't know three or four different sets that oh. we could play, and the stuff that made it onto the record. I mean, there was still at least maybe two more records worth of stuff that we would filter through. You know, depending on how we felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, I mean, it wasn't just play the record. It was like. You had a gig set up. You yeah. guys already had had planned that also. So you guys were like really methodical. I mean, would that be, would that be fair to say? Very oh, yeah. methodical about everything you did. Oh, yeah. Could you have done this without being that way? Do you think you couldn't just wing this type of, type of thing? Well, could you? Probably not. Because, I mean, especially like being tied to the track. Um you know it sounds bad but it's not it's it's just like there's no room for real error and you can't get off the because we were using dat machines back then and i mean it was basically just hit play and we would hear the click and show starts you knew what to do right then we didn't we didn't stop until it was over you know and uh yeah this music wasn't like play a song have a a break play a song have a break these songs would just bleed one right into the other right right not stop like we would leave leave room and some ambience in there for whatever but we knew the cues to start the songs you know right right It it wasn't a whole lot of you know talking to the crowd or anything like that just occasionally Say hey, how you doing? That kind of thing. And you guys really couldn't afford to have breakdowns either, right? Like things had to go no, right. Like no, everything had to no. work and operate and blah 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 blah. Like Sean and I were constantly. I mean, you couldn't really tell on stage, but we were constantly sort of like looking at each other and counting in our heads, like when the break was coming up. And if Ed, the drummer, sometimes he would he would not be with what was going on and counting back you know wrong or something and sean and i would it would sound like ed's going to go into the the breakdown and sean and i'd be like nope nope nope, yes and then we would just like blast in and then ed would figure it out oh i see but but as long as sean and i were on you know cue with the the track like Everybody else could seem to follow that whole, that would be the good enough. Right. That's cool. So the the one thing about like these raves back then at that time, um, 
was that there's a lot of drugs at these at these parties, man. Was, these were these were like big uh, designer drug. This was like when the designer drugs were getting popular in the, in the early nineties. Really? I didn't see any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had the ecstasy and the mollies and all that stuff was coming out. It was getting big. Mostly ecstasy at that time was pretty was pretty popular at those rates and stuff. And that was the whole part. That was the that was part of the fuel as far as the all night parties and the all night music thing. But you know, I I, I was I, I went to a couple raves and I heard a lot about them. They sometimes they were crazy as crazy stuff would happen at these things as a result of all that. Kids with the plastic see-through backpacks with the teddy bears and lollipops <laughs> in them, that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of crazy stuff going on at these things. How, how crazy did it get? I mean, like, like, do you remember, like, some really, really, really crazy stuff where you were like, how the hell am I getting, like, why, I, I got to get the hell out of here, or like, just, you ever scared at, at any moment where you're like, oh, boy, did it ever escalate like that? I mean, I, I didn't, like, I partied my ass off, obviously, but I didn't really ever get to the point where, like, like, I didn't do any of that, the, the, I, you know, I, it wasn't for I, you that doing that crazy, no, the, 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 like a, some of the designer ones. I wasn't into the trip scene. I wasn't into the, any of that stuff, you know, like back in my early days, you know, I experimented with stuff like that, like before I was even in a band and all that. But I don't know. My thing was mostly just weed. Yeah, you know, but, they, but it was all around you. I mean, like you guys are playing, and, oh, yeah. and it, it, it's everywhere. And you know, a lot of those rays were just like you described with that other, where it's just so packed with people. You know, well, a I lot mean, of crazy stuff can happen. Our our singer Rob used to get have some fun with that kind of stuff. He would, uh, I mean, one time I think it was in like maybe Dallas or something. He took off after the show with bunch of chicks and uh apparently did a bunch of acid and uh i don't know what the deal was but uh, there was some incident at a gas station where the girl opened up her glove box and there was a gun in it and rob was tripping and he freaked out and he got out in the middle of fucking god knows where <laughs> and just started running <laughs> and uh eventually after a while he flagged down a cop and like his cop asked him what he was doing he's like man i'm in this rock band we're staying at this hotel i don't know where i am i don't know what's going on i gotta get back there the bus is gonna leave so like we're we're seriously getting ready to leave and this cop shows up with rob because is this yours you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, like so so you guys had given up we, like at that point you guys looked for him couldn't find him is that we, what happened we were ready to leave we were gonna give him a few more minutes and like we were ready to head to the next gig yeah and i mean that's the way those buses work yeah know? right it's hopefully like he finds it, yeah hopefully if you're not on it man you're tough shit yeah 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 man but uh anyway he gets on the bus and like he's got like his hoodie pulled up like it looks like kenny from south park he's like like you know all like shriveled up and like every time we look back at him we just hear these little like animal like moans like mm. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys like making fun of him kind of this time we're like, like, man, i'm glad you made it dude yeah. <laughs> like, we were getting ready to leave with that shit. <laughs> all right man we're gonna take a quick break real quick when we come back we'll talk a little bit more with jeff about uh the days with dink after this you're listening to level up cleveland 
Hello, everybody. Big Bry here. This June 10th Level Up Cleveland Concert Series presents Bittersweet Revenge. You can try Olathea. And Craig Martini. See them all June 10th at the Maple Grove Tavern. Show starts at 8 p.m. 21 or over. Go to levelupcleveland.com for tickets and information. What's going on, Level Up listeners? Signal Flow Studios is a Cleveland recording studio founded in 2013, located in the steel yard just down the hall from Brian and Pat at Level Up Cleveland. At Signal Flow, we pride ourselves in offering top quality audio and a great recording experience to artists here in town and from across the country. But what makes us unique at Signal Flow is our undivided attention to the people who keep us going. That's you, the artists. So come on in and let us make your music our top priority. You can book online at www.signalflowstudio.com or give us a call at 216-920-2075. We'll see you soon. And we are back with Mr. Jeff Finn from the band Dink. And what uh, one of the things I wanted to go over too was <clears throat> after you guys released that first album, uh, you guys put out a, a, a single called Green Mind. And that song actually... Game pretty successful. It was pretty. It was basically a hit for you guys. I mean, it was on the it charted it, on, on certain charts. I mean, it wasn't just like on the top forty chart, but it was a pretty popular song. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it it, it got up there in uh, I think alternative press and I think Rolling Stone and I think one other one too. Yeah, but uh, we got it in a couple movies. You know. Yeah, it was uh, like a f- movie Fear yeah. and Double Dragon. Yeah. Those two movies that song appeared in. You, you had yep. some you had some other songs that appeared in other movies also, too. It wasn't just that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angels was in uh, Bad Boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a, b- a big yeah. movie. I mean, not even not yeah. even a low-budget movie. Well, movie. The cool thing is, it's like, the, like, I don't know how it worked out, but we got the coolest scenes and, like, the the coolest play it wasn't just like something real soft in the background it was like you know like in bad boys our song starts in uh club hell which kmfdm is playing when they walk in and uh in the bathroom a fight ensues and uh, our song starts playing you know and in fear the whole opening club scene thing you know that that they keep chopping it up but it's like that's Back in, yeah right yeah it's but it's a huge part of the movie you know yeah right man. so i don't know how that worked out but that's cool well you guys obviously had a vibe that, that was these these uh directors and producers thought yeah. fit these parts man the energy right it was like you were, you were matching these energies to what they had so then you're with capital records still and you and you're now you were saying you're going to go do and you're going to do another album and you were saying that they they were having a little more input at this point. They're trying to kind of influence themselves into what, what take you down some directions and stuff. And you guys didn't really respond too well with, to to that kind of thing. No, I think they they wanted more of a like I don't know, sort of a replica of the other record. Oh, and we were Sean wanted to 
go a little harder with more guitar oriented and a little less of the machine stuff just to see how that would work more of a uh, a real a band a rock band more so than yeah. the electronic stuff yeah yeah so uh we put out i don't know maybe i think we recorded about 30 songs and uh we had uh an idea you know we, we called it get off my rocket and we picked the songs for that one but uh they weren't ready to put that out yet so they did this uh, thing called blame it on tito that was an ep that had some of those songs on there but it wasn't at all like you know it was it's a good ep it's just it, it's not what we would have had on the record if we wanted to you know so so in other words if you had full control full say so it would have been a different different thing so right. they they did it actually end up getting some of their influence on to what you guys were putting out right okay now the thing was did that ever actually get released like then at that point so you guys you guys record this album but did they, did it ever really no not- no tito tito got released but that was it that was i think that was the last one and uh but it did get released it but it did get released in like 2012 i believe is what it was that when it was or or, or two thousand in the 2000s it actually did get put out did it not the music the new record yes no oh it never did no oh so this music's just and sitting some there? some some of that is on that uh oh. documentary and uh yeah i like i had the like master cassette tapes so i had them uh transferred to cd and copied them so i have like the whole catalog so to speak yeah of of songs and these are songs that were recorded in the studio these are like these aren't like demos no no they're they're like completely done so somebody could you could really release this as a work we had uh like uh paul coldery worked on um a lot of it and uh we just had a lot of uh hours in the studio recording this stuff so um yeah everybody still has it but it's just not been released you know but uh, any plans to do it any plans to release this stuff well I think if you go to our website, the uh, officialdink.com, um, I think there there's a bunch of it on there. Oh, okay. So there, there is access to it all. It's just not yeah. been like an official right. release under this title, that right. kind of thing type stuff. Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, then... You guys did some more, uh, uh, any, any other shows or festivals or anything big you want to talk about or anything like that where there was like, uh, uh, was that the biggest one? Would that be the biggest one that you did, the one that was in Holland, 80,000? Did you guys ever do anything, anything close like that again? No, we, but we, I mean, we played like basically every mid-sized famous venue in the country, you know, that kind, oh, yeah. of, that kind of thing. It's you guys like, did tour the whole country though? You guys like, made it around? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
like I mean, obviously not Alaska or Hawaii. But the other forty-eight, every, you guys everywhere else. Really, no kidding. Yeah. Were you guys doing this now with other headliners, or yeah, okay? Yeah. So you were just getting on bigger bills. Well, we we did some on our own, like those were the the van tours, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would, we would do those on our own, and then um, we did, you know, we we were with. Uh, Popoli itself, uh, Lords of Acid, KMFDM. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just like... Some of the bigger ones that were doing the same similar type thing that you guys were doing, but they were some of the bigger names yeah, at the time. I mean, we played with like Thrill Kill Cult. Oh, no kidding. Um, all kinds of bands, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Wow. But, but I mean, there were, there were cool festivals also, like we did this mud fest thing or at least that's what i call it it was i like i, 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 I want to say like wisconsin or something but uh the whole field was just like it had rained the night before so the whole field was just like <coughs> a big mud pit oh yeah like that woodstock and, show though that yeah one, and, and they were throwing mud up on the stage too so people with squeegees like you know, getting the mud off the stage. And I mean, this was a big deal too. Like the Ramones were playing, um, monster magnet. Uh, Oh my God. Just, I forget. There were like 40 tour buses out, out, no in, the back, kidding. out in the back of the place. And, uh, KMFDM wasn't playing the gig that day. So we decided we would, and uh it was it was a great time it was like like i mean it was just amazing and the guys from kmftm are out there with squeegees helping get the mud off the stage for us and stuff but uh but you have to have your own guys squeegeeing it out there or do you guys have guys or did they have guys like stagehands and stuff like no, that? No, it was the K- or, it was the, like the actual KMFDM people were like <laughs> were, were, the band was doing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um so what after Dink's over, you guys eventually break up in the way. What 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 ends what ends Dink? To be honest, let's we'll just go start real quick. How how does it end? Is it just kind of like flame out or is there a a moment where it's like this is it? Well, we we did a, a ill-fated show in New York, and uh, I don't know. It didn't go over well, and our rep took us out to a real fancy steak dinner with a you know place where the cows are all like hung up in the windows. Shit. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Uh, he sort of laid it on us like, uh, you know, I think this is it, guys, you know. Really? <laughs> so, because, like, I guess EMI, the parent company, was downsizing. Oh. And uh, we didn't make the 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 cut of how many records you had to sell to stay on. Oh, I uh, see. I see. So you, you were dropped by the rocker company is what happened. And that, and that, that started the whole entire process for... The whole ding thing to kind of just kind of like call it quits at that point. Yeah, I mean, there were there, there were a lot. Like, there's a lot that led up to that, you know. Like, it's all kind of a, explained in that documentary. Well, oh, yeah, let's talk about that because that's what. But, it, but but anyway, it's like we fired 
I didn't really want to, but the rest of the guys, I guess, did. Um, we fired, like, the best manager we ever had. And after that, it just went... Oh, really? Because she was very well liked by our record company and easy to work with. And to this day, I think that's the biggest mistake we ever made. Oh, really? And then, I see. And then the next thing, you know, like, we had a slew of other managers, none of whom were cool. And uh, that's how our singer ended up getting fired. Oh. And, and, and that really put the nail in the coffin. Oh. So this was just like and one small event and one small event, one small, and then it just turned into like, this is just too it's much. A, to yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just, yeah. It got stupid kind of after a while, right? Got, yeah. Just, just got, get, just, it got really, that's a good way to put it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it's, it happens though. I mean, that's not, it's not uncommon. You know, that's why that's why it's so amazing when you hear a band's been together for thirty fucking years or some crazy amount. It's like, how do you get through all this crazy stuff that every band they, has to go through? They must be banking. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> you, you, you bite your lip, I guess, in, in some of those. Um, so yeah, so then eventually, someone gets the idea to create a documentary and document this entire this entire thing that you guys did. That's, that's known as Dink, and a, and a documentary is made called Gangrene. Yeah, and tell me who made it and how does that, how does that all come about? Well, it was, it's Jorge, Jorge De La Rosa and his company Slow Mutants, but I think he he got the I think he got the idea to do it because it was his like final uh, film school project or something or his ma oh. masters something i don't know <laughs> but he uh he did that for his final it was a school project right? for oh yeah. no kidding man. yeah wow so so is this all footage that you guys had had you guys documented a lot of things throughout this whole process with with video footage and stuff that he was able to access and that's how he kind of put a lot of this stuff together yeah, plus yeah. interviews Every, and stuff like that everybody sort of contributed i mean you know some people had some you know old tapes here old tapes there photographs uh just enough to make a whole documentary basically is and then and like i said i've seen little bits and pieces of it but it's like um it's a it's a it's a really well done documentary though it's a, it doesn't look very you know some of these can be real cheesy especially yeah. now with the age of youtube where everyone makes a documentary like some of them are terrible, you know, and I mean, you watch and you're like, oh, it shouldn't even, but this one looks very well done. You oh know? yeah. 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 And, and, he, and he's the real deal. He, he does good stuff. The, pro the thing is though, is like, this isn't something that you can just access as easily as like, it's not, it's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu or any of those type of things right there where you can just go watch it. Um, but we were talking before there are ways to, copies of it yeah right? i mean you can you can access copies of it and stuff like that and we'll put that information up i'll put it up there for people to, so they can if they ever want to get a copy of it they can cool um but yeah very well done i, I really would like to get I, what i'd like to see is uh, people have better access to it so that people, more people can watch it because right. I, I you know like obviously dude if there's a lot of people showing up at these gigs you know there's a lot of people that are remember dink you know what i mean there's a lot of people that you know 
were a part of that whole scene at that time and would be interested in a lot of this stuff. I believe, you know what I mean. I think that would sure. that would be cool. So, what do you do now? What what what, what are you? What do you? What do you? Uh, you still doing music? Are you? Are you? I work with the uh, Woodsy's uh, Sound and Music Production, uh, setting up shows for other people. You know, putting backline together. Uh, so basically, what does that mean, like backline? So you you like like these bands come to town instead of bringing semis full of equipment, they they give you they tell you what they need and then you bring the equipment to the show for them and set yeah. it up and everything. Yeah, I just I mean, I go from their rider and a list and just put together exactly what they need and uh, set it up sometimes and. Uh, you know, have to babysit it. Does that does that when you say exactly what they need? Does that even include like amplifiers and stuff like that? Also, I mean, do oh they, yeah. So you got to have like a, a Every, massive everything. inventory. Everything. Massive inventory. Yeah. Because there's there's so many different things that. I yeah. mean, there's so yeah. many. Yeah, we have we have pretty much everything. No kidding. <laughs> okay, and this is what you do for a living. This is what you do. Yeah. Wow, and what kind of circuit are you running? Like, like working? Like, where would where would people recognize your work? Like, especially you're basically local. I mean, right? Is it mostly yeah. local? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you know, theaters like you know, Goodyear, Robbins, Civic. Um, Out toward the Akron area a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you're doing so, a lot of that stuff: lighting, sound, and then yeah. create and providing whatever they need. Yeah. Now, do you ever run sound? Not really. I mean, I'm I'm learning. I set. I mean, I set up PAs. I build. I build the system, and cable the system. And you're just not mixing on the fly while those. Work. Yeah, yeah. I, that's my next project. Really, that's what you're looking <laughs> to get into. Yeah. Now you were telling me um, something about Sean that that. Um, yeah, they're, they're like he. I don't know. I'm calling it Sean's eyeball benefit, but. He has cancer and has to go through this uh, stuff with his eyes. And it's uh, quite uh, horrible. <laughs> so um, there's a benefit for him at Bar Lucci on the 28th uh, of January in Kent. So um, Sean and Jan Eddie will both be there, and they're going to be doing their uh, – they do this modular synth stuff, like tweaking knobs and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old school stuff, like when, when synthesizers were first coming out, right. they had all the, yeah. you know, you always see Pink Floyd experimenting with all that stuff back in the days. Yep. It wasn't it wasn't hit a hit a key. No. You had, to, you had no. to know what the hell you were doing with frequencies and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to do a set, and they're showing the documentary as well. Oh, really? So, oh, that's cool. Well, that'd be yeah, cool. It's, yeah. And it's just like, you know, donation at the door, you know. It's, and where's this going to be at? Uh, Bar Lucci in Kent, Ohio. And do they have to get tickets to see this, or can people just show up for this, or how does that work? Um, I, you don't know? I don't know about tickets. I, uh, I'm i not really sure. Okay. I'll just, we'll have to find out. I'll, I'll, I can put that up here, too. People want to go see that. Probably go to the Barlucci website or something. And it'll probably have something, uh, you know. 
information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, do you still get along with everybody in the band? Like, like, like after all this happens, a lot of times you know there's some fallout and stuff. But sounds like you you still stay in touch with everybody and everyone. Everything's kind of on the up and up. Still cool. Yeah, yeah. We went through our our period, I guess, where we didn't talk to each other. Oh, but uh, then I don't know, like Sean and. I was talking to Sean because I was down at this this uh, fancy beer wine place, and they had just got a, gotten a broken window, and Sean was the one that was putting the new window in. So I ran into him down there, and then while I was talking to him, Ed called, and he was like, "Man, this is weird. Do you guys want to like just play together again?" So we started a different band. Oh, uh, so that was called Kind, um, and you know we just just locally played around locally. And, just for a little while. Yeah. Were you guys doing covers at the time, or are you guys doing your uh, original stuff? We did original stuff, but we did uh, a couple, you know, a couple Dink songs. Oh no, kid! Just with no machine. Just stripping it all down and kind of doing it a different way. Yeah. Was that fun? Good time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got a good reception, I guess. Do you guys ever think about doing that? Or do you ever talk about it, doing it again? No. That's it. Dink, dink's done. Yeah. That's it. The end of that. That era is no. over. No, it's like, okay. I mean, yes, if I kept in touch with him, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, Jer, I keep in touch with him through the, you know, just whatever on the web. And then, uh, like I said, Ed lives up here in Lakewood. And uh, Sean is uh, in Hudson, like, you know, maybe 15 minutes away from me. And Rob, um, he lives right down the street, but for some reason, like... That's the one you see the least? Yeah. <laughs> it's not weird like that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming down, man. That was cool. This has been really cool. And and hopefully some of the people who have we answered some questions, if anybody had any questions about what happened or what, how it went and stuff, but it's very interesting stuff, man. You're very cool. You had a, you had a pretty cool little stint there of stuff. I'm, I'm old, man. My memory, you know? Yeah. No, no. It's really cool, though. I mean, like I said, it's very cool to hear somebody who's actually seen and done some of the stuff you've done. Playing in front of 80,000 people has got to be the coolest. You know, that's just that's something that you, you can't ever forget, right? Yeah, but I mean, and also, you know, we played like famous like cbgb the whiskey oh you did all um, those too oh, all that stuff God. you know it's just we played, living a dream almost we, like we played the the place in texas i think it was where the sex pistols played with that notorious where stiv hit the guy in the head with the bass. Oh, you're the oh no kidding man yeah like that's we awesome played that place all kinds of crazy shit gold man it is. It's, 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 like I said, this is it's, it's it's cool to hear the success stories, but not just that the fun, you know, the fun because really that's what this ended up being more about was like uh, he's had, had a lot of fun, a lot of fun, man, crazy had, type of fun that you can't get anywhere else. We had more fun than anybody should ever be allowed to have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna call, call it right there. We're all out of time, but uh, I want to thank you again for coming down. I really uh, I appreciate it, man. Cool, it's thanks. been cool, uh, and I hope everybody got out out of this what uh, we hope they got out of it. Check out the documentary if you can. Um, I'm going to put up a link up here to so you can get in, get a copy of it if you guys want to check it out. Till now, though, that's it. We're out. We'll see you guys next week. Oh.
This has been Level Up Cleveland. There's a new episode every week. Available now on all streaming services. You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube. Till next week, rock on. That'll be fine.